that was a real show that I was truly only given a hundred dollars. I truly did not know where I was going, no access to my credit cards. It was the most intense experience. You get a huge adrenaline rush because you're like, I got to make something happen because I'm not worried about raising money at this point. I'm worried about where am I laying my head. Told her to level me up, told her to level me up, yeah. It's time to level up, I level up. Yo, what's up, ladies and Gs? Much love to those returning and shout out for those tuning in for the first time. I'm your host, DeAndre Evans. And listen, today I have a very special guest. All right. She's an entrepreneur, investor, and entertainment pioneer who made her first million dollars by creating an agency that partnered with corporations through entertainment and sports stars. She went on to also become uh, one of the head honchos, I guess you could say, of uh, Mosley Music Group partnership with Timberland, uh, but now she transitioned and actually turned her talents to a tech venture, uh, which is a capital firm called Rain Venture Capital. And her main mission is to help support those looking for the American dream, uh, making it more accessible for women and people of color who are often overlooked in the business world. Um, and she's also have a huge track record. I can go for days. I'm just touching up on a few, but uh, she's worked in the corporate powerhouses like Pepsi, Verizon, MTV, Gucci, and so many others. I have none other than Miss Monique Eilette Mosley. How are you? Hi, DeAndre. Thank you so much for having me and congratulations to you on you building Level Up and trying to get information out there. That's a, it's a great thing you're doing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to have you on. I appreciate you again for just taking the time and I would love, love, love to go ahead and dive more into who you are and how you became Miss Monique Eilette Mosley, right? And so today is Monday. I know we talked a little bit off air, but today's Monday <laughs> and time is flying. Everything's moving quickly. Wishing it was Friday, but let's do like a quick flashback. Let's, let's talk about the childhood, how you grew up. Uh, what was it like coming up for you and your family household? I grew up in North Jersey um, in a city called Perth Amboy. We grew up, uh, I'm the oldest in my household and grew up with my mom being the predominant you know, caregiver. And it was income-based housing. So we learned to be very resourceful, I'll say. I learned that at a very early age. Um, it's interesting because I don't think I, it was until I was like in high school when we relocated to the Midwest uh, for my mother's job that where people's response to growing up in like income-based housing or whatever is like, oh, poor you. And it's like, actually we grew up with a lot of love, a lot of experiences. My mother was an avid um, reader and she made us read. We, you know, our after-school activities were the library. Um, and we had to read so many books a month without it being fiction. She did not count nonfiction our fiction books. So we could not read fiction and count that as our reading list. And so at an early age, you know, my mother really, really is the one who taught us the foundation of the principles that I continue to live by in life. And A, you know, it was always about being concerned with the matters of others. My mother really, really raised us like that. She also raised us in a way that she taught us that everything was temporary and that our circumstances were never, that wasn't, that was just a temporary thing and that we weren't our circumstances and to always be mindful of that, that things forever change and to constantly evolve and change in a positive way. So my mother gave us a great, great foundation. 
Awesome. Awesome. I love to hear that. I think that's super important, especially now today, uh, more than ever, just to have that close bond and that upbringing of just making sure that you stay on your P's and Q's, right? And uh, I know you mentioned that you, your mother pretty much was on you about reading. Like, what was your favorite book? Did you have a favorite book reading uh, growing up or? I don't know that I had a favorite book growing up that was like just, oh, you know, I think that for me, it was about the collective experience. Okay. Uh, there's just so much information. And even as a young child, I always sat in the space of, I never know too much. I just, I'm curious and I just want to learn about everything. So for me, it was about the unlimited possibility. Um, and so I never gravitated to just one book. I mean, I was that girl who would be looking through the encyclopedia, you know, yeah. um, my mother, uh, her vocabulary is like just unbelievable. And so she, we also had to look up every word. If she said a word and we didn't know it, she would make us look it up. So I got very comfortable with the intellectual side of myself and never felt like that was something I was supposed to diminish. Um, so that kind of helps that helped me grab it, you know, navigate through my career, um, in knowing that I always wanted to be the person in the room that didn't know anything. Right. <laughs> and the older we get in life, we realize we actually don't know too much of anything. And the people who think they do, they don't. Uh, we actually, <laughs> the mysteries of life is a forever ongoing thing. And if you do life right, the evolution of yourself should be forever, right? So that's kind of the way I've approached life and my readings and my, my curiosity. I will say that I've always had an interest in science um, and technology and music and so my career path doesn't surprise anybody in my family <laughs> nice nice so i would love to get into that too because well first off i gotta ask i know you said your mother was pretty much always around and there were your father was your father there at all or yeah he was he he is also from new jersey and okay. so we were very fortunate to grow up with both sides of our family mm -hmm. my father did pass away when i was in college i was 21 and so, um, you know, he did leave us early, but the time he was here, he was a great man. Gosh, well, I'm sorry. Sorry for your loss. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, no. However, I know he's looking down happy and excited for yeah, you. Yeah, he just physically yeah. left. You know, he's still here in spirit, so. <laughs> yeah, he just went to like Las Vegas. He just went to Right. <laughs> Come on back. I got you. So growing up, you know. That was a very, that was a very important time in my life, though, yeah. because at 21, I was already a mom. So I was at college with his son. And then when my father passed, I also, he, he had uh, children in his second marriage. And um, so my two sisters actually came um, at different points uh, to live with me as well. So I've always been kind of that caregiver provider, the taking the responsibility of yeah. others, right? And so when you look at my career path, me being concerned about the wealth and the health of others is it's just a natural thing it's just who i am as a person right that upbringing that's powerful that's powerful i love to hear that too and i can see it you know just radiating off of you i can get it you know you got a nice cozy little home right there i'm noticing <laughs> i'm living my best life and yeah. living my best life doesn't mean i don't have problems every day or obstacles I just have never lived a life where I give a lot of energy to problems. I'm more solution based, which you can see that throughout my career where I pivot in industries that really need some disruption. Right, right. And I would love to hop into that. But first, I have one last question on this topic that really just resonated with me when you said it. It was like, 
you got into science, you got into tech. So like, did your mother and father, like, did they push that and pursue that to some degree? Or did you just kind of like stumble upon it from your readings? Or did you just, you know, how did you fall into that sector? I mean, I think that if we do, if as parents, if we do parenting right, mm -hmm. as little people, we kind of show our parents who we are, right? Our natural curiosities, what we lean towards. And for me, I was always very interested in those things, science, music, you know, technology. My mother and father were both intellects. They loved reading and they loved exploring themselves. And my father was a chemist at one point in his life. Um, and my mother has always, always been um, engaged on the intellectual side of learning. And so they saw that very early in me and made sure that I was engaged and involved in things that kind of fed that little part of me, which then became who I am. So right. I think, you know, I owe it to them for not trying to make me go down what their path or what they saw from me, but based on who I was showing them I wanted to be, they started curating and nurturing that side of me. Oh, that's super important. That's super important, especially as, as a young child growing up, you know, being in a household with two loving parents that really like nurture you and care for you and say, you know what, go after what you believe in your dreams. And they really push you down that lane. I think a lot more people should, you know, um, listen to their children to a certain degree when it comes to what they're interested in. I feel like oh, a lot absolutely. of the times, you know, it just overshadowed. Yeah, first of all, this life isn't about what other what other people want for us. It's about what are we curious about? What, you know, what makes us find purpose and what excites us? And so I am. I was very fortunate and blessed to have those type of, of family members, not just in my parents, but just my family in general. Um, and I've always been, honestly, the one that I have a vision and I'm getting to it. And so they've always supported me on that. And, you know, and that makes, that is the difference actually. Um, I think that when, one of the things that my mother raised us with was we weren't allowed to use negative words, not in our house, not about ourselves, not about others. And so, you know, I grew up as the glasses half full type of girl where I always focused on the positive side. And, you know, it wasn't until you become an adult where you're like, oh my gosh, what is, this is such a difference, right? When you start being around other adults that everything is a problem, they have nothing good to say. You realize, thank God I had that foundation of limited, like no limits on possibility. Right. You can be everything you wanna be and then some is how I grew up. And so, as a mom, you know, one of the most important things that my mother told me was I have three children and I'm a parent three different ways. Mm -hmm. I do not parent you the way I parent your sister, etc. And so that really stuck with me as a child. It's how I practice my parenting, but most importantly, it's how I see the world. I don't deal with anybody in a collective. I deal with them exactly. I meet people where they are and I want them to meet me where I am. And I think that that's the way we get through this difficult thing called life. I love it. Well, the podcast is over. Uh, you just killed it. right? There. <laughs> <laughs> we can just go and pack it up. <laughs> No, I love all that. And I can truly resonate. Like I said before, um, you know, I grew up in a household full of women. They taught me the do's and don'ts and they really nurtured me to become a gentleman, what to look out for, how to carry myself. And I can truly resonate with what you're saying. Um, but I'm super curious on the fact that, you know, you have 
accomplished so much in your life and you're still on this path of an amazing journey. Um, you are a mother and you said you became a mother at a very young age. So how did you, you know, begin to balance that with your work life, your personal life, potentially going to school, right? How were you able to balance motherhood and business and all those things together? It took a tribe, right? So when I went to Ohio State, my sister, who's two years younger than me and her best friend, when they graduated, they came to Ohio State and I would build my classes around their schedule and they and vice versa. And if, you know, I had a class and they were helping me with Demetrius, you know, so the reality is, is that I don't think we get through this life without support. None of us can do everything. And the reality is, is that I had a mindset though, that I was not going to be a statistic. Number one, I never saw myself as a victim. Um, I never looked at the complexities of life as, oh my gosh, it's never going to happen. For me, it was always about, I am not a victim. I'm not a statistic. I am going to seize every opportunity. I'm not going to complain about it. And most importantly, I'm going to do the hard work that goes with this. Um, I think that, you know, there is a true disconnect, especially in today's time with this younger generation and the, you know, we're, we're at a place now where from a pharmaceutical perspective, there has never been as many anxiety prescriptions ever written, right? And I, I do believe that there's something that is happening with social media and these filtered lifestyles. No, no one's showing the hard work or no one's taking the time to think about maybe they rented that car, maybe they don't actually own that car. Right. Um, and so the reality is, is that we have to we have to disconnect from things, material, right? And we have to really get into who we are as individuals and what does that journey look like? And that takes hard work. It does. I, I still get up at 4, 4.30 every morning. I still spend an hour or so of time with myself, meditating, praying, setting my intentions. I think that if anyone wants the true, the true little recipe for success, there are habits with successful people that are consistent no matter where you come from, what your background is and what your history is, right? Mm -hmm. And that is really prioritizing, focusing, and really, really becoming the best version by filtering out all the unnecessary things like if you're on Instagram, don't go to pages that ha don't feed you. If you want to be a founder or you want to create a company, follow only entrepreneurs, follow the business world, communicate with the business world. And I think that, um, you know, when I look at every course and every pivot and every transition that I've done professionally and personally, mm -hmm. it's always been a lot of self-reflecting a lot of accountability of my behaviors and patterns and habits. And then also, you know, I tell founders all the time and I tell young people that I mentor, it really does matter who you put yourself around. You know, there was that campaign that T-Mobile did um, that was a really successful marketing campaign, right? And when I researched it, I found out that it's actually based on a science theory. And, and the campaign was about I'm in the circle, right? And the five people I talk to the most, I don't even have to like program them anymore. It's right, I just click a button and these are the five people I talk to the most. Well, that's a science theory that we are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. So for me, it's like every month, 
personally and professionally, I'm looking at who are the five people I'm spending my most time with talking to, et cetera, personally, and who are the five people professionally? And, you know, this is something that we should constantly be doing throughout our life. Every day we need to take accountability to ourselves. Right. That's the best project we will ever work on. Not a business, not material things, not a house, not a children, not our cars, our individual self and truly becoming Mm -hmm. a human being that cares about the state of this world, not just our own personal household, but the evolution of ourselves to better this world. Absolutely. I love that. And one thing that I've always took to heart and carry with me as uh, I begin my entrepreneur journey is that you're not going to master your life in one day. Instead, no. you got to learn to master the day and keep doing that every single day. So that's in, been... In fact, if we do this right, we won't ever master ourselves, right? <laughs> the only mastering will happen on our behavior. Mm-hmm. But if we're constantly growing, then we're constantly growing. And that's the ultimate goal. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Bars. I need like a little soundtrack <laughs> or something. I need to do an album, huh? <laughs> right, come on, let's go. You got the background. Let's do it. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to lie. So when you first started speaking on this, you know, you said Ohio State. And in my mind, I was like, red flag, because I'm a Michigan guy. <laughs> so, my son is going to Michigan. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I love it. I love it. But uh, no, in all, all seriousness, though, I really, really appreciate that insight. I know a lot of people tuning in can really resonate and take and apply that information. Um, but, you know, during this time of a pandemic, right, there's so much happening. You got way of three, you got people, you know, dying in the street, you got, you know, people trying to grow the business, losing their homes, there's so much happening. Like, what have you learned about yourself, you know, during this pandemic? Like, what's, what's been like an eye opener about yourself as you've been in this? Oh, that's so good. Um, First, I, I actually didn't respond to the pandemic the way most people did. For me, it was like, ah, oh, time to reflect, time to reset. I got to know, I got to like spend time with my children day after day after day because I'm always on the go. I'm always traveling. I'm always helping founders. You know, I'm always out here trying to be a voice for the voiceless. And the side effect of that is that my home life, you know, I have... I have my sister who lives with me. My ex-husband lives around the corner from me. So we've curated very intentionally. Mm -hmm. However, during the pandemic, it was a time to just woosah and reset. And I took it as an opportunity to learn myself even more, to learn the things that I needed to do better, be better at, and also appreciate what I was actually doing well and appreciate the good things about myself. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to reconnect with the earth and nature and just sit outside and not be on the go so much. So for me, it really was a different experience. Mm -hmm. However, I also paid attention to what was happening in the world. And it truly, 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 really, really is the inspiration and the reason of why I did Undercover Billionaire because I understood that the human spirit was extremely broken and we all needed inspiration. And we as a collective human spirit needed to understand that we all have each other and that instead of being talking about our differences so much, let's focus on what we have alike, which then led me to filming Undercover Billionaire during COVID. (laughs) Uh, right. Absolutely. As you see, I'm a I'm pretty rebellious, right? <laughs> um, and when I when I deem that something positive can come out of it, and for me, COVID and the pandemic 
should have made all of us aware that maybe we're spending too much time and energy on the wrong things. Right. Absolutely. 1000% I agree. Definitely. And I love that transition to undercover billionaire because that was my next question. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, given this time, like I said, during a pandemic, um, you decide to take lead and join undercover billionaire. Like, what was that experience like for you? You know, going through it, uh, raising, you know, funds, starting off with just a hundred dollars. Cause I, I'm not gonna lie. I watched the entire show. I was rooting for you the whole time watching. I'm like, let's go, let's go. But like, what was that experience like? Life-changing. Mm. Um, it was a very, first of all, let's just say this is that it's really, it's really important to me with so much like fake reality shows, etc., that I tell your audience and you that that was a real show that I was truly only given a hundred dollars. I truly did not know where I was going at all. I truly did not know the city. I didn't know anyone there. I, they had my phone. I could not have my, my real phone. They gave me a, another phone that they programmed like three numbers in my children, my ex-husband, my assistant, and uh, my mom. Literally, that's who was in my phone that they gave to me and there was no other contacts and I had access to nothing else. I had no access to my credit cards. I was not, it wasn't like a lifeline show where like, oh, hey, today you get a free call. <laughs> no. Yeah. It was the most intense mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that um, it's like a, it's a science experiment is what it is, right? It truly on so many different levels, starting with self, right? It was so humbling for me. I spent the last 30 years of my life and my career building my career, my relationships. I specialize in relationship networking. So I had to come to grips very quickly that I had to take all those principles and apply them and remember who I was because I wouldn't be able to have my network or resources. And so it did not hit me, hit me until I landed in that city and production was like, all right, so what are you about to do? And you're like, oh, snap, this is real. Like, this is real. And all you, I, you get a huge adrenaline rush because you're like, I got to make something happen because I'm not worried about raising money at this point. I'm worried about where am I laying my head because it's a pandemic. Most of the, and so in Miami, we weren't shut down the way the rest of the city is, right? The cities were across the, the world. Um, we were shut down quickly and then people were moving around. It's just what it is. And so in Washington and Tacoma, everything was shut down. Really? Wow. Yes. Everything pretty, like if it wasn't a necessity, mm -hmm. like restaurants were not open, nothing was open. Yeah, so yeah. my first concern was where am I going to sleep? And if everything is shut down, how am I even asking for help? Right. <laughs> so when you watch that show, that is that really, I did not know Pastor Christopher. Mm -hmm. I never been there. And here, let me tell you, this is what, <laughs> what you don't see in the production is that the lady who answered the church phone, mm -hmm. she actually was not supposed to be at work. Wow. The church was closed. They weren't even having services. She happened to go into work and just decided to answer the phone when I called. Look at that. Wow. 
Wow. Talk about perfect timing. And that was literally within the first 20 minutes of me being in Tacoma. That happened in like 20 minutes from the time I got there to Tacoma and called her and was at the church. It was the first 20 minutes of being in Tacoma. Had she not answered the phone, and then on top of it, Pastor Christopher, which she did not know, was actually coming in to the church because he needed to do something for, um, I forget, for one of the organizations that he's a board member on. Okay. And so those two things happened simultaneously. As I pulled up, he was walking out of the church leaving. And she's, she's on the phone. And she's like, no, stop him. Stop him. Tell him, <laughs> tell him who you are and what you need. And that's literally what started my journey in Tacoma. Wow. That's amazing. Like, like I say, talk about perfect timing. You know, you make that call to reach out to a church. First off, what, what went through your mind to even reach out to a church first? Cause I know most people probably wouldn't have chose a church or probably would have tried to, you know, sleep in a car or <laughs> do something well, else. So I thought about those things because yeah. when we first landed, uh, the production company was like, listen, mm -hmm. you're going to have, you're probably gonna have to sleep in your car. Yeah. So um, there will be a couple of neighborhoods that will vet for you from a safety perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, so here's the thing. I'm a black woman. I refuse to teach other women in particular that our first and only option is to sleep in our car. I'm not judging anyone who's had to do that because that is a reality, unfortunately, for too many people. What I don't want to do, though, is go directly to that as my option. I have to show people that I bet as human beings, we will help each other if we can, if someone tells us what they need. Because we're growing up in a community right now where people don't even know their next door neighbors. They don't even speak to each other. And so for me, in, like intentionally, that's what. And then secondly, my mom's a pastor. I grew up in church. And so I know what my mom does as a pastor. Mm -hmm. I know her days are spent, how can she serve people? And so I've been a servant and I've also been served and supported. And I wanted to show that as my first option. And that's what I did. And then look. Absolutely. Blessings on blessings on blessings. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. I love, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I really appreciate that insight because that brings so much clarity, you know, not just to myself, but to everyone else that probably was watching the show. Like what was her mindset like during that moment? And just to hear that is like, wow, that's refreshing. Um, to even think that way. So I appreciate that. And well, if you think about why I did the show, right? It was right. to inspire yeah. whoever watched this. Right. And part of that meant that I have to show people and teach people human nature again, right? In the most simplistic form. Right. We're here to help each other, right? right? We're not here to serve ourselves. We're actually, the, the goal in life yeah. is that we live our life to serve others. That's the law, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I told you that's the karmic universal law that if we could all get into it, the rewards of that. Right. Look, I mean, I truly didn't know anyone there. I really didn't. Yeah, it's power and collaboration It's power and, you know, speaking up for yourself and asking for help. I feel like so many people don't ask for help because in the back of their mind, it's probably like that game of, Oh, I have to, you know, pay them back, you know, or they're going to hold it over my head. And I feel like, judge me, right. The fear yeah. of judgment. Yeah. Right. And that's what it is. And, you know, if we can get into that mindset, like you have to where, you know, you have to understand that everyone needs help to some degree, 
And I know some rappers and some people say, you know, you're self-made, self-this, but I believe personally. None of us are self-made. <laughs> right. We're, we're, it takes a village. It takes a group. But a lot of people promote that. And that's what, like you said before earlier, when you said like so many young people, millennials of, of us, uh, we kind of get into this bubble where it's like, I'll just do it myself. You know, I don't need any help. And it kind of pushes us back from really, you know, moving forward effectively without, you know, that, that piece. So I appreciate that. And, and there's a lot of systemic issues, right, of why people don't ask for help. We get that. But I think that, um, you know, we have to come out of this, this, this self, this I, right? And we, when we think about it, we, if we go back to even the educational system that we grow up in, mm -hmm. there's always only one winner. And what we have to start understanding is that there is no such thing as one winner. There is a possibility for all of us to win. And until that happens, this world doesn't even get balanced. We can't, we can't individually win and then step over a person who's houseless as if they're not a human being. Right. We have to get back into this, this idea of seeing each other. And that is why I did this show. We have to see each other. And on the flip side of it is we have to start telling people what we need help in. Exactly. And I'm, I'm glad you did it because it just highlights the fact that, you know, especially in our community, what's possible. So I, yeah, right. I definitely resonate with that. And Sorry. look, I know, I know I don't have you long. I know I have like 5,000 questions I can ask you. Uh, <laughs> we'll but, have to do this again then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably just be a part two to it. I'm down. But I would love to, you know, ask you, like, how do you handle and deal with pressure? You know, just being who you are, um, the status that you have, your accomplishments, and also creating other entities of businesses and helping people raise funds. Like, how do you handle all of that? Um, I'll say this, is that, course the things that we've already talked about right I do have a tribe on a lot of levels mm -hmm. um, but most importantly it starts with my mindset my mind and how I perceive what's happening to me is the difference so I've never have fallen victim to problems we're all gonna have them it's just what life is right and so I don't look at them as a wall a brick wall I look at them as something to go over go around, get through. And so when you take on that mindset of, okay, this is what it is today. Let me work on some solutions. Ah, of the solutions, now I have to execute and take action. If you're constantly problem solving, it doesn't become as overwhelming. And I will tell you that I do, I do prioritize my self-care. And that starts with how I wake up in the morning, what I do. And it also starts with, there's days where I'm like, you know what, I'm depleted today. I'm, I am depleted, I acknowledge it. And here are the things that I'm gonna do to get restored. I'm gonna go to bed earlier, which means, okay, maybe I won't do late phone calls today for work. Right. Um, maybe I won't have the TV on, you know? So everybody's self-care is different. For me, it's reading, it's meditating, it's praying. Most importantly, it's about being humble and I'm always grateful, no matter what it is. Yeah. Everything, even the tough things in my life, I would not I would not, not have them because they became lessons. I don't look at it as loss. I look at it as, okay, this is what I learned from it. And maybe this is what I needed to learn now to prevent something more tragic happening in the future. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's all about mindset. We have to choose. This is a choice, right. the way we live life. And we have to choose to create the world that we want to live. And that it starts in our mind, actually. 
Right. I love that answer. And I really hope everyone tuning in is taking some copious notes and applying this information, right? Don't just take it, sit it down somewhere, use it, utilize it, you know, pass it along to family members and so on and so forth, uh, because it can and it will help you down the line, if not right now, um, eventually get to that point where you can use and level up in your career in life. So listen, Miss Monique, um, I do have another question or two. If Absolutely. You're for it. Yeah, right. let's go. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, so I know, obviously, you're you're big in the space of um, having your capital firm for a tech venture, raising so much money for so many different, you know, um, startup businesses. Like, how did that come about? And how can people, you know, truly take advantage of that opportunity? So how it came about was, um, this is a whole longer story, not another time we could talk about that, but I was basically um, not feeling very intellectually challenged in the music industry anymore. I'll say that. Um, I've, I have, have had the blessing of being married to and myself being a visionary, right? So we've always kind of been ahead of, of the curve. And so when you're like that, if you're not in an environment that's constantly nurturing and challenging that, you kind of are like, okay, what else can I be doing? And so that's what happened. I was contacted um, by a program to do this, uh, this master's program, and it was in conjunction with George Washington University, Columbia, and uh, UCLA. Okay. And so for two and a half years, I traveled to all three different universities mm-hmm. um, with a cohort. There was other people in my, in my class. And in the very beginning of it, we were introduced to alternative investing. And I have to be honest, I became a little irritated and angry that Tim and I were making so much money but and we had this group of financial advisors and financial team etc but no no one was teaching us true financial literacy especially on the private equity venture side of things and so i was like oh and because i'm so curious i latch on to stuff and i want to learn it as much as possible and i started angel investing and my now my business partner my co-founder of rain ventures she was the one who was running that particular part of the program and she had been on the private equity investment side for many, many years. Um, and so she, I, I related to her. She was another black woman who was really trying to problem solve in the seed stage of, in the earlier stage of, of tech investing. Um, and we were like, there, there can't possibly be only white male tech founders, right? That there has to be some women out here and their daggone sure has to be black and brown people out here. So let's go find them. Right. And we started we started using our money, our own personal money. And we started investing on a thesis that we wrote over 10 and a half years ago. Okay. So I was, and I was still running Mosley Music Group. I was also still, uh, I was eventually, I then be, I also did uh, production Um, and became an executive producer on Empire for the first two seasons. So I was still running all of that side of the business and I was doing my masters and I was angel investing. And one of the things that I found that was so important was founders needed more than a check. So I went from just being an investor to sitting on the boards, to traveling with the founders to get them into the right meetings, Mm -hmm. getting them connected with the right relationships. And we were like, you know what? Let's, let's, let's keep investing together. Mm -hmm. Let's make this thesis that what will be for a formal fund. 
And so for the last 10 and a half years, that's what we did. And then in 2021, we said, you know what? Let's get it outside of just us spending our money and let's do it in a venture way where we're leading technology companies first institutional rounds. And that's how Rain Ventures came about. And so now we're, we're a $50 million fund. We're gonna be launching a $100 million fund next. And so wow. I feel I'm humbled. I'm humbled to keep serving. I'm humbled to keep problem solving. I'm grateful that I've never ever sat in the space of, well, I did good, let me go on about my business. <laughs> um, no, in fact, I challenge all of us to look outside of our own success and our own problems because someone always has it worse than us and we need to go help those people. And that is, that is our job. Exactly. It's to see the areas that we can grow and create equity right for all and financial equity is just as important as our civil rights and all of our other rights as human beings and so we got to get these companies funded and that was the that was the why for us i love that amen let's go to church i'm, I'm ready <laughs> but we take a lot of pride in being doing investing the way it should have been done and that's inclusively right. we have one of the most inclusive portfolios um, our founders of are of all backgrounds. And I think the last time I checked, we were at about 55 to 60% people of color and about 73% female. So we are doing investing the way it should be done. I love that. I love to hear that. That's so impactful. And I'm glad to have you a part of this world, you know, sharing your gift and your talent and inspiring so many men and women. And so- you. Absolutely. And, and if anyone, if there's any tech founders, um, we specialize in consumer tech and software. And if you go to RainVC, R-E-I-G-N-V-C.com, you can contact us through there, or you can email me at Monique at Rain, R-E-I-G-N-V-C.com. Love it. Love it. And ladies and gentlemen, I wish I can hold her a little bit longer, but I can't because I respect her time. And listen, she gave so many gems you can take your own with. Uh, we definitely have to do a part two for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I have a lot more questions to ask, but I just want to say thank you again for taking time out of your day uh, to come onto the show, to spread your light and, uh, you know, really educate us on the importance of building, collaborating. Uh, first off, uh, speaking your, your truth, standing up for yourself and you know, leading by example. So I just wanna say thank you and give you your flowers oh, now. Thank you, DeAndre. I really, really appreciate that. And it's you, you've said the word collaboration probably five times. And a few years ago, I actually wrote a thesis on the art of collaboration. And then I, you know, got it, I created a business model around it. Um, I did a lot of research on this. And let me tell you, it is the difference of whether or not we as women and people of color actually create billion dollar companies. In fact, science, Harvard Business Review, Psychology Today, I mean, there's all types of studies on this. It all comes back to the same thing. If we don't collaborate, we don't create scalable multi-million and billion dollar companies. And even more specifically, if we do collaborate outside of our network, that's when the billion dollar companies create. And so we, as a culture, we've got to get into, we got to stop holding on to this idea. It's my, 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 my company. It's like, do you want to own 100% of nothing or do you want to own 50% of something really valuable? Get you some co-founders, get you some experts, give them some equity and build the company and let's build billion dollar companies, but not because we've inflated the evaluations, right? But because we actually are creating viable, sustainable businesses. 
and it can only be done through the art of collaboration. Well, look, I'm ready to collaborate. I know everybody else like, yeah, let's go. Let's make something happen. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. So look, again, I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Thank you. you know, um, this has been Level Up Daily Podcast. You know what's going on here. We level up every single conversation, every chance we get. I have the most talented and intellectual, beautiful soul on today's show, Miss Monique Eilat Mosley. And again, Miss... Monique, if you have any information where you want people to reach you and contact you. Yeah, I, I, I respond to all DMs. It may take a little while because I do get a lot, but I try to do my best. And so my Instagram is Monique Eidlet. Um, My Twitter is Monique underscore Mosley. Um, my LinkedIn is Monique Eidlet. So there's plenty of ways you can contact me. And, you know, you can always email me at Monique at RainVC.com. Love it. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put all that down in the description. So don't worry. You're not going to miss the information. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to make these collaborations work. And again, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you're doing. And most importantly, um, knowledge is the difference, right? So getting as much information out here as you're doing is, is really important. And it's a key to the real change. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And so until next time, guys, much love, peace and blessings. Level me up, total level me up, yeah. It's time to level up. Now level up.